I do. And I don't. I've never been so thrilled about Mondays since the dawn of I Do and I Don't podcast show. What's I Do and I Don't podcast show? Well, it's this great... um, (laughs) Why does it always fall apart? Why can't I make it work? Why can't I be fluid? That's right. That's exactly what we do at I Do and I Don't podcast show. Oh, man, why did we get Kat to pre-record her (laughs) part? (laughs) Damn it. Oh, this isn't going to work. You know, some Mondays are just like that, Joel. <laughs> you know, you go out with the best of intentions and then a train wreck happens, but you really have to get it back on the track. That's life. That's life. And that's love. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. To talk about your intimate relationships, how you've screwed up and how you can maybe try to fix it. Because Lord knows we have the skills and knowledge and wisdom to facilitate that. Well, I'm going to agree with you, Joel. We are not necessarily professional not advice necessarily. givers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but we do have quite a body of knowledge between the two of us. Actually, we have two bodies. And knowledge. <laughs> um, what is this podcast about? Does anyone know at this point? <laughs> it's a uh, how to make a half-decent podcast tutorial show. <laughs> No. What happens is people send you... I can't believe I have to explain this to you again, Kat. People <laughs> send you questions to I do and I don't show at gmail.com or on our social meds. It's all I do and I don't show. And what are their questions about? Well, typically they're asking us how to lick an asshole effectively or um, some other highbrow stuff like how do we fight good? And... Uh, <laughs> and um, we try to answer that. So we, we speak to listeners' intimate relationship advice issues. If you want to put it that way, I concisely. Do. I do. <laughs> but you don't. This is so interesting. You've really, you've, that's the title. Well, I guess once you say the title, we should just end the show. And that's our episode, folks. Um, <laughs> this isn't going well today. <laughs> we're well, really off the is. rails. I think it's awkward and kind of painful and like we're striving <laughs> to bring it back online, but that's exactly the kind of day I'm having today. Well, I feel that works. I feel kind of muddy, mm. a little discombobbed. Yeah, sure. I, I got to be honest, I probably do too. Um, but uh, what happens, this is the other thing that people probably know if they listen to the show before. You read the questions. I don't know the questions. You bring them to me. Then I answer them. And you answer with them too. But I answer them just like, shoot from the hip. Yeah. And I try to give a little bit of thought and sometimes some research into answering the questions. Yeah, which I don't think anyone appreciates. <laughs> Probably not. Probably They're all not. like, yes, but what's the funny take? Yeah, what's Joel going to say? <laughs> You're right. I'm just joking. I think what happens is people go, shut up, Joel, because Kat has something intelligent to say. I don't And that think hurts. So. No, I think that's what that's what I feel every time I listen to it. I listen back and I go, "Shut up, Joel. Cat has something intelligent to say." I never think that. Self-loathing. Mm, that's a good topic that we should cover another time. Okay. <laughs> should we get into our first question? Hey, if anyone out there self-loathes themselves, <laughs> Uh, send in your questions. What's the first question, Kat? Question number one. My boyfriend and I have been together for three years and have been seriously considering marriage and children. He's Jewish and his family really wants me to convert so that our kids can be raised in the faith. I have zero interest in this and while I respect his religion and his traditions, I feel like organized religion is absolutely not for me 
and not something I want to indoctrinate my children to. Mm. How can we move through this and arrive at a place that works for us both? Well, uh, you know, quick answer, um, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I disagree. I think you can. I was thinking about doing, uh, eventually, maybe introducing a segment called uh, Stay on the Horse or Get a Divorce. And wow. I mean, they're not married yet. No. So, but like in this case, what you're saying, how do you work through something like that? Well, there has to be compromise. Mm. Compromise. If I, okay, so the first thing about something like this is that, number one, um, it's so much easier to have a relationship with somebody that shares your religious values or values in general, right? I think it's kind of impossible to have a relationship with someone who doesn't share your values. Right, but the, and, and religion gives you like a whole myriad mm-hmm. of values, like quick, shorthand. Yeah, so sure. It's like so easy. And b- even within those religions, there can be differences. Yeah. I, like there, I would say the religion is a context in which you shape your values for a lot of people, for sure. Sure. But I mean, you also have a uh, kind of like, this is why we, you know, yeah, I mean, do this or don't do that. You yeah. can speak to a larger idea. If you if you don't share those things, then you just go, well, I just disagree, and that's that. But if you were like, well, we don't do this because remember, you know, this thing that we both, you know, believe in, mm-hmm. that makes things easier. So that's a that's a nice starting point. But also, like this whole idea of converting. The other thing I thought of when I heard this question was, like, it's so it's, conversion and like these titles and stuff. It's so silly. It is odd, and I know that there are certain branches of the Jewish faith that believe that the children are not Jewish unless the mother is Jewish. Right. So, but, but isn't like it's like what do you believe? That's the thing that should be important, and not, <clears throat> not some title. Not what is the religion dictating? Yeah, like what's your real belief? Because you can go and say, okay, I'll convert, quote unquote, convert to Judaism. Mm-hmm. I'll go through all the steps, and you know, wear all, whatever you want me to wear, and have whatever ceremony you want me to have. But I'm still really not going to buy it. So you're just then paying lip service in order to comply with the yeah, rest so of the family's wishes. What's which feels, the point? Yeah, and I agree with you there. Like, I think that a lot of religions are evolving to suit a modern context in a different way. So you can still carry on the teachings and sort of apply them to modern life in a different way. So there are more progressive parts of Judaism that have kind of loosened this notion that if the mother isn't Jewish, the children aren't Jewish, I think. I'm not an expert in theology, but um, I do have friends who, you know, she's Christian, he's Jewish, they have a son together. The son is going to Hebrew school. He goes to synagogue with his family. He's learning about the faith, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's considered to be Jewish and Christian. So he's like multi-faith, this kid. Well, and this is where I was, this is why I was saying kind of a hard line of like, end it. Because she is saying, I have zero interest in my children being indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. So it's not that she's open to it. She respects his faith, but she's like, no, no, that's not going to touch the kids. And I've always thought that if you don't have kids, you can have inter-religious or whatever, interfaith marriages. Yeah. Because you don't, it's not heightened. 
children heighten it because you're like, that's where the fighting starts because it's like, yeah, you can believe whatever you want, but my kid (laughs) is going to believe this. It's like, no, that's bullshit though. So he's not going to believe that. And then it's like, well, no, it's not bullshit. It's truth. So, you know, and that's a a big deal. So I think when you have children in an interfaith relationship, you have to be in agreement that the children are also going to be interfaith. So you can teach them about both belief systems that the parents uphold or subscribe to. (laughs) Okay, but what happens, like, it sounds like this woman is, like, she didn't really reveal any religious beliefs herself. Right, so let's say she's an atheist. Yeah, but that, that, that's not interfaith, that's conflicting ideas. (laughs) How can you raise someone with conflicting ideas? Well, you can. That's tough for a kid. Is it though? The children I think children so. believe that an old white man comes down the chimney. Yeah, to but they presents. really believe that. Sure, and they can really believe in some of the teachings of religion, and they can also really believe that some people don't believe in it. It's fine to know that there's different ideas. Yeah. But to be like, hey, I'm your dad, and I just wanted to tell you that God is in heaven, and these are the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And then the mom to go, yeah, it's good to follow those commandments, but not because there's a God, because there isn't. Well, I have interfaith children. And, and good, they love all that. They do, absolutely. I mean, my teenagers are older now, but growing up, they went to um, mosque every weekend. They went to Muslim school. They learned a lot about their religion and their faith. And then they also learned that I don't believe that stuff and that it's great for them to explore it and decide what they're going to want to believe themselves. I wonder what the, um, I wonder what the like winning, if you will, religion would have been in that the winning religion is the one that the child feels empowered to choose eventually yeah but like which one would have been more sort of like uh treated i guess more them they were more exposed to the idea of well obviously they went to school they went to the mosque obviously they were raised muslim they they well and not necessarily because uh their dad isn't really an actively practicing Muslim. Lifestyle-wise, it doesn't... Well, I guess maybe older Muslims that had more than Like, they would pray... If we went... (laughs) There are certain parts of the Muslim faith that still practice that, but uh, it's not found in a contemporary context. Mm. But if we were at their grandparents' house, for example, they would say dua, which is like the evening prayer at sunset. Mm -hmm. But we we rarely ever said it at home. So it was kind of something that happened with the grandparents... Um, and was very loosely enforced in the home. Like, mm. it really wasn't... So culturally Muslim. Yeah, exactly. And I and think then, that's true with a lot of religion right now. Well, for sure. In our days, generation yeah. and, yeah. you know, in generations below us as well. Like, religion has become more about culture than it is about actual faith and belief, mm. I think. For a lot of people, that's true. So many people. I think that in this case, they would have to... I, I, I think... For it to work, the compromise would have to be that she is fine with yeah. him, with the kid, with with um, the kids being indoctrinated. Yeah, you ultimately. can't you can't be in a relationship with someone who is religious or upholds religious values, and say if we ever have children, they can't be subjected to that because it doesn't actually make sense. You're right there mm-hmm. for sure. I will agree with you on that one. Yeah. But I think there is a way to approach child rearing where you do give them like a really broad spectrum of belief to draw from. I'm gonna say that. I and 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 I may ha- you may be able to change my mind. 
I don't know, in this conversation, but I feel like children, and again, I'm not a parent, I have no experience, you do, so I'm just speaking from sort of my childhood and an idea of that, which is that I think children should be raised with consistency because I think that that's going to make them feel safer mm-hmm. and more confident right. going through their childhood. And then when they get older, and I think we've spoken to this in the past, when they get older, they realize that none, none of that was necessarily true, maybe, or that, that things are a lot more confusing in the world. But they at least had that, that start where they felt sure about something. And a lot of the times, having your parents um, on the same page with things, you know, so you're not, you, you know where you stand, what's right and what's wrong, you know what I mean? I think that's good for a kid. Yeah, and I I think you can be aligned with your moral values without having to bring religion into it in any way, shape, or form. Um, In our house, it was easy to find that consistency because in the Muslim faith, the notion of God is actually this universal light. Like, Nur is the name of God, and it's light, basically. It speaks to this idea that God is more like energy than an actual old dude in the sky. Mm -hmm. And so that's also very much aligned with what I believe. So, you know, as often as my kids were at mosque or at, school learning about their faith they were also in nature and understanding the changing of the seasons and the cycles of the moon which was also with sage exactly and that was very much reinforced in the school that the girls went to at least when they were quite young so uh, we were very consistent despite having different systems of belief so if you can work that out then okay like i i guess that can happen but i just i worry about the kid thing Frankly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother if I were her. <laughs> you wouldn't bother even entertaining well, religion. No, I would say they want me to convert. I don't want my kids going to this particular um, these schools, whatever. This is going to be a bone of contention for the rest of my life. Yeah, I might as well just walk away from it. Yeah, if you know it's a hard no that you're not willing to compromise on, then you probably shouldn't marry this person or have children with them. Mm-hmm. But interesting conversation. I wonder what our listeners are thinking. Because I feel like we're going to, we would have people on both sides, like sort of leaning towards what I was saying, sort of leaning towards what you were saying. Mm. Again, we are interested in some follow up episodes. If, you, if we've answered your questions or if you have thoughts about these things, we'd love to do a little bonus episode where we go, oh, this was what so and so thought or yeah. this person thought. Maybe not as anonymous, you know, if you want us to say who, because I would like to hear what other people think. Because I want to know if I'm off my rocker thinking that children... (laughs) Children need to be raised in only one faith? Well, consistently Mm -hmm. and kind of feel like they know where they are. Then when they get older, they can uh, realize that the world doesn't mean anything and everything's confusing. (laughs) Question number two. Question number two. How do men and women differ in dealing with a breakup? How do they each grow after a failed relationship? Like all men and all women? Yes. (laughs) I know. That made me laugh too. It's very universal. I think there are some differences in the way that men and women process breakups, but I've really arrived at this conclusion that I have very little understanding of how men work. So I can speak to my... Knowledge of how women deal. Yeah, so how do women, what's the question? Deal with a breakup? How do men and women differ in dealing with the breakup? And how do they each grow after a failed relationship? Okay, you go go first. So how do women 
do that. Okay, so I think for women, there's a lot of emotion usually. Um, and it's often expressed. And I think there's something that we do where we seek comfort from the people who have helped to create pain too. So we are often reaching out to the person that we've just broken up with Mm -hmm. to look for some kind of solace or reassurance or comfort, which is a little absurd if you Mm -hmm. consider the fact that we've just broken up with them. Um, I think that women are a lot more proactive about reaching out for support from girlfriends and uh, other people who they can talk to and share their emotional experience with and like unpack certain things that were confusing about the relationship and examine where they need closure. Um, I think that there's some numbing and self-soothing techniques that women can typically employ that often involve things like ice cream and chocolate and Mm -hmm. like binge watching the golden girls or something of that nature um (laughs) wait a second (laughs) hypothetically speaking uh so yeah i think i think that there's sort of a formula and then eventually there comes a turning point where we push away all of the pain of the relationship and get like dressed up in really provocative clothing and go out and sometimes drink too much Mm. Uh, or flirt or start... So just destructive behavior cons- consistently. Going, I don't think it's all destructive. Uh, well, let's let's break it down. So we're going back to the ex for more abuse. Yeah, reaching out for more abuse. We're mm-hmm. uh, eating foods that are eating not healthy pain. for us. Eating our pain, yep. We're watching fine, probably fine shows, but we're binge watching. We're doing too much of the screen yep, time. Possibly. And then we're going out and being intoxicated in... Uh, Fine attire, beautiful attire, and possibly having uh, random unprotected sex with strangers. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't say that, but yeah. So you're saying which one of those things is healthy? The Golden Girls. I think reaching out and sharing your emotional experience with people in your supportive network and also like feeling the feelings, being in the feelings mm-hmm. in a more um, clear way. And yeah. So that that's like maybe the more negative. I'm sure there are lots of women who proactively like hit the fitness hard and Oh yeah. How many girls do you know that have broken up with someone and then they're just into CrossFit? Not instantly. I no. feel like CrossFit is the bro, bro broken heart broken solace. Heart care. Like it's like I I just I, I've observed it a few times where I'm like, oh, there was a big breakup and then uh this I don't think I've ever, abs. I haven't ever hit the level of breakup pain that would induce CrossFit in my <laughs> life. So I guess I'm doing Because it's a whole other right. kind of pain. Cat. Oh, yeah, gross. Okay, what do guys do during breakups? Well, they usually go and gush to their uh, guy friends, you know. Uh, Lies. They have a slumber party. <laughs> Lies. They dress up in cute 90s and fuzzy house coats. Then they sit on the bed and they just talk about how girls are such bullshit. And, um, Lies. Joel, answer the question. I think what my answer was just very indicative of the avoidance mm-hmm. that I feel like I, I, I would say that I certainly would try to employ. Just like run away, run away from it. But you do like just like I just you, you have a pit in your stomach. <laughs> and then you just like... Try to avoid feeling that in any way. Usually, I would say, you know, you got to find a replacement. That's always handy. Yeah. If you can have that other person just as soon as possible, just to, you know, not feel lonely and abandoned. Because I think a lot of breakups, there's the ego Mm -hmm. problem 
where you just like it hurts your ego so bad and then just and so like how do I feel better? You know, oh, someone else likes me. This person likes me. Oh, great. Phew. Somebody likes me. But it doesn't quite fix the problem because you're like, I want that person to like me. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think in the same way that you're saying, like, I, I think, I mean, I don't know from for everyone, but I, I feel like you do still want to communicate with that person because if they're still communicating with you, maybe there's an inkling of hope or there's just this idea that, you know, they're not gone from your life. Mm-hmm. You still do have them, but they're just not there in the same way, which can almost be like, and we've spoken to it before again, just this double-edged sword of like, <laughs> you you feel something that's like nothing's going to come of it and you're holding on and, you know, um, none of it's real. But anyway, the point is that I think in a lot of ways you try to avoid Feeling, feeling feeling those feelings and then you get through to the other side where you're like oh, okay I've got clarity a bit more I realized this maybe was for the best and blah 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 so would that then be part of how men grow after a failed relationship yeah what's the growth element did you speak to the growth no not yet yeah um I don't know if there's a uh if there's would be like a rule to people growing. I don't know if growing is necessarily always a trapping of a breakup. But if somebody were to grow, it's being um observant, like thinking about what habit what happened mm-hmm. and learning something from it, of course. And maybe sometimes there's nothing to learn. Like maybe you already knew everything. You just made a bad you were just like, oh, of course I shouldn't have been with this person. I already was with a person like that, and it wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think you're touching on something important here, and I don't know that all women leave relationships that didn't work with this knowledge, too. And that is, oftentimes if a relationship doesn't work, it's because we are repeating a non-conscious pattern that we have in relationship to somebody in our childhood. Mm. And we're looking to heal old wounds that were not healed through that relationship. So you got to watch for those things. But so is that how you explain the growth of for women? Do they always grow? No, definitely not. Because then you'll repeat that same pattern. Yeah, definitely not. I think there's this indignant moment that a lot of people have where they're like, well, I'm never doing that again. And then they, you know, make a new list of the qualities that they want in the next partner. And they think, you know, like this is this is what I'm going to do differently next time. And sometimes even if you are able to check off those boxes that you've created for yourself, you end up in the same kinds of patterns because at the end of the day, Um, the dynamic that's created in relationship is half yours. So if the same kinds of things are repeating over and over again, or there's a type of person you keep being drawn to, there is a responsibility on you to stop that. Stop it. And it's often little to do with the external qualities they exhibit and more the dynamic that the two of you create. Mm. It's difficult. It's a, first of all, very vague question, but, um, you know, do men spend that kind of time to look at their like past relationships? And I think a lot of the time you'll hear she's crazy. 
Yeah, I think it's really easy to gaslight somebody. I know that there are men who do have a conscious approach to understanding their relationship patterns. And I think it's actually a product of age as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when men start approaching middle age and they realize that they haven't partnered in the way that they would have wanted for themselves, that's when they feel kind of compelled to examine their relationship history. I'm not middle-aged. (laughs) <laughs> not yet. Stop looking at me, cat. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. And they're still alone and they are constantly And there's a piece to lonely. that too. I think that self-awareness like is sometimes heightened when you have children too because then you know that there's a cycle that's happening that you don't want to repeat in your parenting relationship. So there's more accountability required. So I don't know, like if you're dating 30-year-old men, they're not likely going to reflect too deeply on the relationship and how, you know, it could move them forward through the world as a better person and what lessons are emerging from the relationship that they can apply to the rest of their life moving forward, they're probably just going to say, you know, like she was nuts and move on. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess maybe the, the thing for the guys to hear is don't just think someone's nuts and move on. (laughs) Even if they are maybe a little bit crazy, look at yourself first, you know, that old biblical thing, don't look at the uh, splinter in their, the other person's eye. Look at the plank in your own eye. That's right. Um, yeah, what did you do to make her crazy? <laughs> That's the question you should be asking yourself. Yeah, you nut. Um, but okay, so I think we sort of answered that. <laughs> <clears throat> we answered that as vaguely as the question was posed. Yeah. So I consider it successful. Question number three. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible to maintain a friendship with someone you've had a fling with if they still have an interest in you and you do not? Well, very good question. Do you think that after... You've just had a fling with this person, so you've slept with a person a few times. Yeah. Can you... I think it depends on the people, obviously. I don't think there's a rule here. Because some people are somehow like not jealous and they're very um, understanding and open about what another person does and uh, they can still like really love that person but but understand that they're doing their own thing and uh, and still maintain a friendship mm-hmm other people will lose their minds. <laughs> yeah, they'll become possessive and jealous and yeah. insecure. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you're right, and I think really clear communication is also required. You have to be really clear about what your intentions are, and sometimes revisit that even if you've Who already needs had to be clear. The person who's not interested in any kind of a romantic connection anymore, right, has it, to be very clear that that is the case. I, I, the the question I would ask is like, why bother? Yeah, what do you need to be friends for? Yeah, like what is make what, new what, friends? What are you holding on to here? Like the 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 person, obviously the person that's into the other person, we know why they're holding on. Mm-hmm. But the person that's like, ah, eh, there's nothing more to to this relationship. Like, what are you? Is there is there a real friendship there? What is if there maybe a, they were friends before the fling? Right. You know, like how good is this friendship? Like how deep does this friendship yeah, go? That's a great question. If the friendship is deep and long lasting and you just kind of tried something that didn't really work out, then I would say maybe after a little bit of time and space, trying to nurture a friendship again might be a good idea. Yeah. Like you don't, if somebody is really special to you and I think that like, um, 
you know, you've spoken to, if you sleep with somebody, you bond with them. Mm -hmm. It's hard not to do that. And I think that that probably is somewhat universal, but there's other, there's people that can kind of deaden that thing (laughs) better than others. But that's a whole question right there. (laughs) Like, why are we doing that? Yeah. But when you've connected with somebody on that level, you know, and you have, you kind of, you've built a, you've, you've got a bond there. It is sometimes you don't, you don't just want to throw that away. Mm -hmm. So you want to try to maintain that friendship. And yeah, I guess that question is like, what was that friendship based on? Was it based on sex? Was that what you basically had more than anything? Because once that's gone, you might find that it's difficult to... There's not much else there. Yeah, there's difficult. It's difficult. Even though you want to, even though you feel a bond, you're like, oh, but if we're not having sex, then we're not even talking about anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But if it goes beyond that, then, yeah, I think it's, it's not a bad... Like, how do you do it? I guess you do have to communicate. It seems silly... I don't think it seems silly. I think it seems really wise to be very clear about your intentions and revisit it from time to time. I also think that you have to be very conscious of the kinds of things you choose to do together. I guess if you're the other person you know they have a crush on you, mm-hmm. that is the, that's the kind way of doing it, obviously, to communicate. It just seems like you, like, I feel like you... you it, you should be able to communicate that. I know you're. I know what you're saying is true. Keep communicating it. Keep them on, like keep them knowing what's going on. But this is just a, a terrible um, tease of a relationship for that other person. I guess it could be, and then they have to decide if they want to continue in that dynamic. Yeah, like you. I feel like you, what you really need to do is like cut them loose. Bare bone. Like you have to come down to the like the the. You have to say there's nothing here. Yeah. Like right right to the baseline. Just like there's nothing going to happen. Let's you, you the best thing to do would be to move on. Yeah. You've got to get your head around this not being a romantic thing. We could be friends, but you really have to know that it's never going to be more than that. And don't hope for that. And if you enjoy spending time with me, enjoy it platonically. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that and your your heart is still involved, then maybe you shouldn't spend time with me until that's the case. Yeah, I think I actually think the time piece is really important. I would almost insist that they spend time apart mm-hmm. and just not be in contact for, I don't know, like try a month and see. Because a month isn't like forever, right. but it is enough time to process quite a lot if you're actually trying to. But I think there's like this uh, extra thing that, you know, um, we... I, I think was hinted at in one of those other questions and I'm thinking about right now, which is this idea where the one person is really into the other person. Mm-hmm. The other person knows that nothing's going to come of it, but also can't bear the thought of losing the person that's into them. They enjoy the affection from that person. They enjoy the love, um, feeling all that admiration and everything like that it feeds the ego it 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 feeds them in probably more than just ego ways you know what i mean and so the idea of like them going off and taking that month and and those feelings going away and losing them to someone else heaven forbid but also just in general 
is hard. You don't want to do that. Right. You want to keep them, but also, but not, ha- not, but not keep have them. to be beholden to them. Yeah. So it's kind of like. How selfish. It's incredibly <laughs> selfish. No question. But I think it's also something that we do. Like people do do that. Yeah. Because you, you have bonded. You're like, I don't want to let go. It's like when you're in a relationship with someone who keeps saying that their heart is in it, but their behavior is completely contrary to that statement. And you're like, why are you even bothering? I don't understand. It's probably the same thing of like not wanting. I want, I want you to want me. Yeah. I want all the great stuff you're giving me. Yeah. I don't want anyone else to have that. Right. And I'll give you something. It's just not going to be everything that you want. And you should be able to go and get everything you want from someone else. And I really, because I care about you, I want you to have that. But I don't want you to do that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I want to keep you here. So there's, it's a conflicting feeling that it's really hard to think through that and to work through that. And you're right, to take a month, that's a month that's hard for both people mm-hmm. for different reasons. Yep. For the one person, it's a beautiful reason. They love the other person. They want to like. They just want to not have to love them because they know that they're not gonna get the love back. Yeah. The other person, they have to stop being so selfish. Mm-hmm. They have to uh, really understand what the relationship is serving. Yeah. What what, and you know, there's an impulse to to somehow blame the other person and you know I told you so you should have known better yeah or 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 when they to to be to almost be mad at them because they're seeking other people or something like that but you you were my person and now you're moving on but it's like and even if you have those moments where you want to maybe say something like that it's like don't yeah but just like take take a breath you're not even you're not Say, gonna say that and then the result of that being I want to be with you and I want to give you that love mm-hmm. it's just I'm angry because I'm jealous and my ego's in the way yeah right yeah so I don't know like we live in a small area of the world here and frequently you know if you have a friend circle within certain context you're just gonna end up bumping into each other mm, I hate that um, so I think like what you should resolve is that when you encounter each other it will be warm and pleasant Maybe you could have an occasional coffee, but I would kind of leave it at that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you should be hanging out watching movies together or, you know, preparing meals together. You're, or... you're just perpetuating yeah. that relationship. Yeah. And somebody's hoping that it continues. And it's going to shift eventually. Yeah. You're kind of come to your senses yeah. or something they say or something they do will prompt you to look at the relationship in a different way. So, yeah, break the cycle. Break the cycle and it's fucking hard. <laughs> I didn't want to start, but it's hard. Um, that's our three. That's our episode, folks. Uh, sh- short and sweet. This is how long episodes are going to be from now on. Short and sweet. Probably not. Probably not. There'll be another hour. Um, send your questions into I do and I don't show at gmail.com and uh, Facebook and Instagram, I do and I don't show. And we'll be back every Monday uh, with some more great advice. And the only thing I have to say is, hey, look, if you don't laugh, 